Today on the show, we'll be talking about a couple of new-to-me movies, starting with The Gray Man from 2022, and then I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore from 2017. Yes, that's the actual title of the movie. Alright everyone, welcome to Brandon at Random Reviews. I am your host, Brandon Griffiths. Thank you for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Uh, You know, I wanted to talk really quick about something that I hold very near and dear to my heart in the uh, movie and book and uh, basically any kind of media other than, I guess, music. You can't really do this to music, but uh, I wanted to talk about spoilers and just basically give kind of an understanding of what my feelings on spoilers are and what makes something, you know, necessary to say, hey, this is a spoiler alert for this thing or whatever. I mean, just any of these, any of these concepts I'd really like to get into. So the basic idea of uh, a spoiler is that, you know, if you haven't seen, and and for, for my examples, I'll just use movies as an example because it's the easiest for me to relate to. Obviously, you can spoil a book or a TV show just as easily, but if you're about to watch a movie, or you might even just be considering watching a movie at some point, if just because that movie has been out for a long time does not give people free reign to tell you what happens in that movie and give away major plot points. Because personally, I don't believe that that's really fair to them. I mean, they should have the right to be able to watch it without knowing all of that stuff up front because it kind of ruins something. It takes something away from that movie for them. And they just don't... It doesn't make any sense to me to, you know, like, I remember one time, you know, somebody was complaining about, uh, you know, when Game of Thrones was on the air and someone had spoiled something that was in one of the books for Game of Thrones. Stephen King tweeted and said, these books have been out for like 25, 30 years. I don't see what the problem is. And it's like, okay, Stephen King, how about this? How about nobody buys any of your books or watches any of the movies your books are based on for the rest of your career because they're older than 25 years. You know, I I mean, there is no statute of limitations on spoilers. If you're, if you're going to give away a major plot point to a movie or TV show, I mean, you better be damn sure that, that you know if somebody is or is not in the know about that and whether or not they're willing to hear about it, you know, because that's the hardest part is it's like, you can't really, you really can't be too careful and so it's like for instance you know I mean with my podcast the way I look at it is you might as well okay you might as well think of all of my episodes as being full of spoilers unless otherwise noted on the release of the podcast episode it's completely reasonable to think that you know there are going to be spoilers I'm talking about movies pretty in depth I'm not going to be able to dance around certain plot points the entire time at the 
same time, there are a lot of episodes where you might have thought I was going to spoil a lot, but then I kind of act like I'm trying to avoid it. And it's only on a case-by-case basis. It's like, if I can get away with not causing that problem, you know, if I can get away with not having a spoiler, I might just do that. But a lot of times, that's just not the case. So when I was... Like, for instance, if I don't, if I note that it's, you know, no spoilers, then obviously that's what that means, you know? I mean, I did the episode uh, Thor Love and Thunder where I just talked about that one movie and I had just seen it in theaters and it had just come out and, and I, you know, I talked about it at great length, but I did not dive into what the major plot was or any of the major plot points or anything like that. And I mean, it's, it's tempting to do because it's a lot easier to discuss. But I think if you're going to be a good reviewer, you've got to be able to do it either way, you know? So that's the way that is. So, I mean, if I talk about anything, you know, if I'm talking about it, basically... I want you to think to yourself, what is this review? Does it say anything about not having spoilers? No? Okay. Because every other movie podcast I watch, or I should say listen to, I don't I don't have any spoiler warnings. And they, they are full of spoilers, you know what I mean? So I took a page out of their book and I went ahead and just assumed that that was how things were. That was the norm. So I just went with that. So I will start off by saying that I... I watched the movie Gray Man for today's episode, and I really enjoyed it. I think you should check it out, and that's the most recommendation I can possibly give you without giving anything away. And then also, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Also, very great. Highly recommend it. Worth your time, in my opinion. And again, you know, obviously everybody's taste is going to be different. You know, there are people that dislike one movie or like another movie, and that doesn't always align with everybody else, of course. It is what it is. You just kind of have to find that balance and just, just talk it out and just, you know, try and figure out like, okay, I mean, I'm looking at this movie and it's like, yeah, I don't really think it looks that good. And then just go from there. I mean, so I'm doing the service of, I watched these two movies that I'm covering today for the first time recently. And they're, one of them's really new and then the other one's kind of old, but I don't think I've heard a lot of people talk about the, the older one, which is, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And I feel like it'd be better to just explain what what I feel about these these movies before really diving into a review, you know. I, usually I'll wait until last to say, hey, this is how I felt about this movie or whatever. But in this case, that's not that's not how I feel about it at all. So diving right in, we have The Gray Man from July 22nd, 2022, directed by the Russo brothers. And you you've probably seen some Russo Brothers movies. If you're not familiar, they did, originally they did some TV work, which they worked on Arrested Development, Community, and Happy Endings. Three shows that I absolutely adore, actually. I was very pleased to see that that was on their filmography. And then, you know, moving on to movies, they they started off with Yumi and Dupree, and I can't honestly say I've ever seen or wanted to see that movie, but you gotta start somewhere, I guess. They did the second Captain America movie, Captain America Winter Soldier, and then they continued to do Captain America Civil War, which is arguably one of, if not the best, Marvel movies ever. And then they did 
the final, well, they did the third and fourth Avengers movies, so Infinity War and Endgame, and they have a movie called Cherry that I want to check out. I don't know what it is. I've never really heard much about it, but I kept seeing it on their, uh, you know, on their filmography, and I was like, all right, let's see, let's see what that's all about. And so I'll probably put that on the old, you know, list of movies to watch. And so. <sighs> The writers for this movie are a writing team, the last names of Marcus and McFeely, and, you know, they they worked on a lot of the Chronicles of Narnia movies, which I never really saw because I didn't really like the books, and, uh, or I should say the book, the first book that I read, and I stopped there. They wrote all three Captain America movies, Thor The Dark World, Pain and Gain, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, and then they also worked with the Russo brothers on Infinity War and Endgame as well. And so I would say that they have a pretty decent resume in hand. You know, nobody really stood out as producers as like having had, you know, a a lot of good movies under their belt. So we won't get into those. The composer of this movie honestly has probably too many movies under his belt to name, but it's Henry Jackman. And I'll just list a few, you know, I I guess five to 10 of them. Cause I mean, he does have a lot and I want to get a good representation of what work he has done, but he did the the score for Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, Wreck-It Ralph, Kick-Ass 2, Captain Phillips, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Big Hero 6, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Captain America, Civil War, and just honestly, you know, to go any farther than that, I mean, look look the guy up. Henry Jackman, he's fucking solid. I don't know if he's any relation to Hugh. I don't think so, but then we've got for our first, you know, our, our main character, our lead actor is Ryan Gosling, who the more movies I watch with Ryan Gosling, the more I think he might be one of, if not my most favorite actor out there right now. He, everything he touches turns to gold. He's the reason that I might consider going to see that fucking Barbie movie, or at least checking it out on video when it's it gets released. But anyway, you know, his character in this movie is named Sierra Six, and I'll kind of get into why his name is weird. Um, he was in Remember the Titans. I believe his character was gay in Remember the Titans. Anyway, Remember the Titans is a solid fucking movie. You should really give it a shot. The Notebook. Okay. A girl I used to date, her and I, you know, she, I made her watch a movie that I liked. And so she insisted that we check out The Notebook, right? And I'm watching this movie, you know, I like Rachel McAdams an awful lot, like more than a friend. And I like Ryan Gosling an awful lot, like more than a friend. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, you know, at the end, it's like the girl I was watching it with, she was like, you know, oh, isn't that mom just awful? Isn't she just terrible? I was like, yeah, but, and spoilers for The Notebook, but I was like, why did Ryan Gosling keep sending letters to Rachel McAdams's residence? You know, like what his her parents' house is where he's sending these letters. What was he expecting the mom to do? It's like he's putting his fucking return address on it. The mom has every reason to know that Ryan Gosling is the guy that's sending these fucking letters. Why? Why? Anyway, I'll 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 move on. I didn't think the Notebook was as good as people had said, and you know I had heard people like guys even say, you know, actually I don't like chick flicks, but that Notebook's a pretty solid movie. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, Ryan 
Gosling was in Lars and the Real Girl, Blue Valentine, Crazy Stupid Love, which I really enjoy, Drive, which is fucking phenomenal, and I will probably do the movie on this podcast. It's it's that fucking good. He was in The Big Short, which in an, it's that's another fucking amazing movie. He was in The Nice Guys, which is a solid little you know buddy action flick. Uh, La La Land with Emma Stone, which. Not my cup of tea, but I could see where people would like it. He was in Blade Runner 2049, and he was in First Man, which I still need to check out, which is the Neil Armstrong story. And then we have number two in line. The uh, co-star is Chris Evans, who plays a man named Lloyd Hansen. And, you know, Wikipedia's initial blurb talks about Chris Evans and his work, you know, and they they mention the Marvel movies he's been in, and then they specifically call out by name his work as Johnny Storm slash the Human Torch in Fantastic Four, but they don't mention Captain America until, like, paragraphs, like, farther down the page, right? And I'm just like, okay, people know him as Captain America. They don't fucking even give a shit that he was the Human Torch, but okay. He was in Not Another Teen Movie, which is a personal favorite of mine, and it really does, uh, it does wonders of making fun of all those fucking teen movies from the 80s and 90s. He was in Cellular, not a terrible movie. He's in Fantastic Four, as I mentioned. He was one of the seven evil exes from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Obviously, he played Captain America. He was in Snowpiercer, which is a fucking solid movie. Definitely check that one out. Knives Out, another fucking spectacular movie. Really liked Knives Out. Kind of a whodunit type movie, and it it just, it really hammered it home. I really loved it. He was also in Don't Look Up. He played Buzz Lightyear in the movie Lightyear, which I guess was apparently nothing special because it really got pretty polarized, mediocre reviews, and not everybody was a big fan. And he's got a movie coming out that's called Ghosted that I... I kind of want to see Chris Evans does. And moving right along, Ana de Armas is in this movie, who I have noted here, she is hot. And she plays the character Danny Miranda, which is an interesting name. Uh, she was in War Dogs. That's like the first movie I really remember her standing out as, you know, being a, a decently large role in. She was in Blade Runner 2049. She was in Knives Out. No Time to Die. She was in that movie for, I don't know, 10 minutes at the very fucking most. Like, she really didn't have jack shit to do in the movie and she was gone. And she's also in that movie Ghosted with Chris Evans that's coming out, like, next year or something. But it should be good. I I think it could be good. Billy Bob Thornton is the only other actor in this movie that I know by name just to look at him without looking him up. He plays Donald Fitzroy in this movie, but he was also in Sling Blade, Armageddon, The Man Who Wasn't There, which I wasn't a big fan of, Bad Santa, and Friday Night Lights, okay? And... Just a couple of a couple of casting notes before I, I dive into the actual plot. This movie was originally in development as early as 2011, and originally there was a different director that was going to be attached to this, and then Brad Pitt was supposed to be in the lead role, and obviously that didn't happen. Ended up you know being in production limbo, and then there was talk that they were going to change directors again, and they were going to have uh, they were going to swap the gender of the lead character and make Charlize the 
Theron be the uh, the lead character, and that didn't end up happening. And then they finally, you know, got the Russo brothers involved, and they started to develop it. And they really wanted to develop this movie as like a, a potential franchise for Netflix. So we'll get into that in a little bit. And then, um, so the plot synopsis of this movie. This is the best I could do. A man in prison for what was arguably a justifiable homicide in his youth enters into an agreement to work for the CIA. That doesn't, like, that plot synopsis, I'd try and not be too spoilery. I'd I'd like to be able to read something like that where it's like, okay, I find out that he is in prison and that he's going to work out an agreement to work for the CIA within, like, the first five minutes of this fucking movie. Like, there is no question that that's going to happen. So, you know, I just, when I, I do these plot synopsises plot synopses. I, I try and not give away too much. You know, I like to I like to give a blurb that it's like, you're not going to fucking ruin the whole plot for me. You might ruin a surprise from the first five minutes of the movie. Whoopie shit. The start of this movie, you have got Billy Bob Thornton and Ryan Gosling in an interrogation room. And Billy Bob Thornton is wearing like a hairpiece or wig or whatever you want to call it. And he's been aged down quite a a lot okay and you could just tell and I'm like why do they have Billy Bob Thornton aged down so much oh that's right they said it was in like 2002 so this is going to jump forward to the the present and they're gonna need Billy Bob Thornton to be regularly aged okay and the only thing that's weird about it is like Ryan Gosling I always find it funny how they do it in movies because it's it's very unevenly done where it's like actors just decide oh yeah I can play you know 20 years younger why not I look exactly like I did 20 years ago who doesn't and it's like with this Ryan Gosling they didn't even really do much to him that I could tell and they just or maybe it's just my vision maybe they were working their magic and I just didn't realize it but they uh it's like they, they didn't do much to him. So anyway, Ryan Gosling enters into this agreement and, you know, he's basically going to be able to get out of prison. He just has to work for the CIA and that's it. You know, that's that's the gist of it. And so, so I mean, it's basically like what you find out is Ryan Gosling like killed his dad because his dad was going to hurt his brother or something, you know? So it's like, it's not like he's a bad guy. You know what I mean? It's not like like he's a monster or something like that. It's like he just, he was protecting his brother and it just didn't fucking work out, you know, it just, so it's, it, it's kind of shitty, but what can you do? I'm going to, I'm going to break this ice right now. There are so many visually stunning elements of this movie. I just, everything to look at in this movie. If I, if the plot was shit, I still could not take away the aspect of visual decadence in this movie. And when Gosling and Thornton are sitting there, they, you know, like it's about to start the opening credits and all of a sudden as they're sitting there in the interrogation room they turn into like an illustrated version of themselves and it, it you know is uh they're in a, a standstill type pose and you know it's not like it's cartoonish it's like it's just a drawing it has such a cool effect you know what I mean it just it really it really is solid I really fucking like it and the the, the way they were doing I mean this it's like they bounce right from these fucking opening credits and they go to this uh I can't remember what city it was but it's like they go there and there are fireworks going 
going off in the middle of the city and there the camera is flying by these fireworks and it's just so fucking vivid it's just fucking crisp as shit man it's fucking amazing and so that you know they're showing shots of these fireworks they're really cool and then i said oh right our ana de armas is in this movie yes and you know i usually don't say stuff like that out loud because it doesn't sound as good as it does when you read it but i'm saying i'm saying ana de armas i'm, I'm on board I, I would say that at several at several moments in this movie the score reminds me of the terminator and i can't I can't say if it's because the score, you know, actually sounds like it or if it's just because I just watched The Terminator a little bit ago and that's why I'm thinking about it. I don't honestly have any idea. So this guy, I mean, basically what gets the plot really moving in this movie is Ryan Gosling is supposed to kill this guy and he doesn't know anything about who this guy is. He's just being told to kill him and he's just going to do it. But there are too many civilians in the way and so Ryan Gosling can't kill the guy quickly enough and he has to go up and take matters into his own hands and figure out a way to kill this guy some other way and it's like this guy he turns out to be the guy from i think it's the guy from batman vs superman that is like always wearing sunglasses and has his hair slicked back like it's just i don't know it so it turns out that this guy is actually like another agent just like ryan gosling like he's they're in the sierra program the guy that gosling is going to kill is sierra four and ryan gosling is sierra six and so he doesn't find out until the guy is like literally dying that he's a, a Sierra. So he's kind of confused. He's trying to figure out why someone would want to kill a Sierra and all this stuff. And it's it's shortly because this is like I should have mentioned this is shortly after the what do you call it? You know, after the opening credits, it, it says that they jumped forward like 18 years or something. And they show Billy Bob Thornton and he is f like he was dark haired and you know, supposed to be young looking 18 years before and he jumps forward and he is fully gray, full on Billy Bob Thornton in this fucking present day type situation where it's like, I mean, sure, aging can hit some people like a ton of bricks, you know, like some people, it only takes that long to all of a sudden go that fucking gray, but it was just, I don't know, I mean, it, it was it was a little jarring to look at Billy Bob Thornton. I, I, I did not realize because that's the benefit of not learning anything about these movies before you watch them is that Chris Evans is the bad guy in this movie and honestly Chris Evans has been like a bad guy in other movies I've watched you know he's been in Scott Pilgrim and he was in uh Knives Out he was he was not necessarily like an antagonist per se he was more just like a member of this family that didn't have the the best of interests of uh Ana de Armas's character at heart you know so it's just the way it is um but I but I was really intrigued because I was like I want to see how Chris Evans does with a full-on villainous role and it is so the other thing I want to mention about Chris Evans is he doesn't like he has a mustache and for some reason that makes it very very easy to identify him as a villain I don't know why that is because I mean like facial hair is not necessarily going to make you look villainous but to just have a mustache in this day and age is 
frequently the earmark of a a villain type type person. And there, I mean, so one of the things I love best about this movie is like the action sequences. Just there are so many cool fight sequences and car chases and explosions and different things like that. It just everything is completely off the wall. It's honestly, it's on the level of like, a, you know, a Daniel Craig Bond movie where you've got all this shit going on and the guy, you know, like the main guy has to fucking figure out what to do at a moment notice and just fucking do it to save his own life and it's like holy shit man like i can get on board with this but uh it's i was saying it's definitely very james bond-esque and honestly i I would say like chris evans doesn't get enough credit for his acting chops i think he's a lot better actor than the world really gives him credit for he has he has some pretty solid range he has comedy chops he has dramatic action any like i mean he can just he can do a lot of different things and i don't know if he's ever done horror but i'll bet you he could be pretty good in horror as well and evans it's like he has the whole way of of talking like the whole demeanor of the villain down pat and i found out shortly into this movie that it was one of those newfangled movies that's told out of order you know it bounces back like two years to talk about billy bob thornton's niece and different things like that and and actually the girl that plays thornton's niece is a solid actress she is really good and she's got a good character well written acts like a smart ass it's all very very awesome i would say that this this movie at parts you know as we're progressing into the movie you know i I think we're probably about a half an hour in as i'm talking about it 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 feels a little all over the place but that's not necessarily a knock against it it's just a lot you know like it's it's hard to like kind of get in the right mood to keep paying attention and stuff and i i put on here because so so when I watch a movie, I don't ever read into the, like, unless I already know stuff about the movie, I don't read into anything. I don't find out about the director, the release date, the budget, the actors, anything, if I can help it. I don't want to know any more about them than I possibly have to. And I said at one point that everyone has been stealing the Civil War location block letters, you know, because they're, unlike a lot of movies for the longest time, they would use small print at the bottom of the screen to denote where the scene was going to take place and I didn't realize when I was typing that that the Russo brothers made this movie and the Russo brothers made Captain America Civil War so they kind of have the right to use the giant block letters for the location across the screen. I honestly can't tell and you know like at one point Chris Evans is after Ryan Gosling Ryan Gosling has to uh, try and get away from him and Ana de Armas helps him and then you know every time I see her acting I'm like is she not a good actress or is she is it just her accent you know what I mean is it just that she has an accent and it just kind of makes her her reading sound a little flat you know I can't really tell and it could just it could be her looks I mean she's a really nice looking person so I can't really fault her for distracting me that's that is what it is. There's a moment where when Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling's characters meet, they kind of have an exchange and apparently they tried to do a lot of improv on this movie. They wanted the two of them to improvise a lot of their lines. And Chris Evans, you know, like Ryan Gosling is like, you must be Lloyd. And Chris Evans is like, what gave it away? And Ryan Gosling says, the white pants, the trash stash, it leans Lloyd. And that I, 
honestly, if that was improvised, that was fucking stellar. Like, it was a really funny, funny line. And I would just say there, like, there are fight sequences every other scene in this fucking movie, and they're all fucking amazing to me. I love them. I thought they were really fucking good. I think Ryan Gosling, just based on this movie, he should play a villain at some point. He should get into it, and he should start to explore it. Because, I mean, I don't know if he has played a villain, but if he hasn't, that would be even more spectacular to see what abilities he has in that realm. There's a, a shot after Ana de Armas tells Gosling to get comfortable where they do a huge swooping shot that they must have used like a drone or something like it. They, and they have like after that one, they had quite a few of them that kept happening. And I was like, wow, like this is really amazing to look at. And I really like what they do with the camera. But I wouldn't want to watch several movies like this. You know, like, I'd only want it to be, like, special with, like, a couple of different movies and then draw the line there. You know what I mean? That would be for the best. I mean, there's a scene where Evans is removing Thornton's fingernails with a pair of pliers. And I just, I felt like there would have been more blood, but I can't, honestly, like, I don't have any, you might not know this about me, but I don't have any fingernails. So the the whole issue that caused my eye problems the the disease that I have it caused me when I was in the hospital to lose my fingernails and toenails and I mean that's just it is what it is you know but like I don't know what it's like to lose a fingernail by force you know what I mean and this movie is stunning to look at and it's not just when Ana de Armas is on screen or Ryan Gosling or Chris Evans you know don't want to leave those guys out big shout a shootout followed by a uh, chase scene and the score is feeling more bondish by the minute. So, like, it transitions from being Terminatory and dark to James Bondish, you know? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, there is a very serious similarity between the two types of scores. I, I just, I, I was enamored every time they would do one of these, these swooping shots with the camera. They kept, you know, you'd see them every once in a great while. It would be like, oh, hey, this is happening. This is what's going on, you know, like, this is this is how they're gonna do this and like i i mean you can tell that there are limitations because i'll bet you that there are certain things they would have corrected about the way they got those drone shots on the camera but i mean they they all looked really really cool and i just okay let me ask this question and i and this is okay so i i was gonna say that i love the playful banter between gosling and ana de armas but i was gonna refer to Ana de Armas by her last name. Now, do I say de Armas or do I just say Armas? I think it's like, it's a little, it's a lowercase d, de Armas. I think it's de Armas. Okay. Well, I'll probably just call her Ana de Armas if I'm going to go that far. So, uh, the two of them should 100% date in real life if they're not already dating people. And as we're progressing through this movie, you know, there's there, uh, what I will say as a kind of knock against this movie is that it's not they're, they're doing too much. They're, they're almost piling it on too heavily to help keep your focus. And it's like, I, I don't really care for that personally. It's not my cup of tea. But I, I just, uh, I mean, I, I found it 
difficult to follow at times. And then it was like, I tried to look at the fucking Wikipedia page. And by the way, never look at a Wikipedia page that is for a movie that has like just come out and they haven't ironed out the wrinkles because I go to look at the fucking plot line and there is nothing that may like you get halfway through the plot and it's just completely incoherent. And I don't mean in a sense of like just being able to understand the fundamental basic concepts of the plot i mean like it's incoherent in a the words that they chose do not actually group together to form sentences or complete thoughts or anything and it just it fucking throws me off every fucking time you know i mean not to jump too far ahead but basically you get down towards the end of the movie You've had a lot of exciting sequences and a lot, I mean, there's rarely a dull moment. And finally, Chris Evans has Billy Bob Thornton's niece and Ryan Gosling has come to save her. And Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling have like a hand-to-hand fight. Like they just fight each other without weapons or at least initially without weapons i mean it's a it's a really fucking compelling fight in my opinion i think it looks really good they they choreographed it really well and it doesn't look shitty or anything and i mean honestly it was one of the more watchable fights i've seen on screen and i'm not surprised that they've already announced like i hadn't even finished the movie but i was not even surprised that they had already announced that there was going to be a sequel and a spinoff for this movie they also i mean they did a pretty decent job setting up those sequels so that also helps my closing thought for this movie because they play a song at the end and i don't even remember what it was but my thought was you ever hear a song that sounds really good in a movie so you put it on a playlist and then you just skip it every time it comes up in the rotation i want to think of a name for that i want to i want to find like a classic example of that and use that as like oh yeah you know you're you're doing that you know so big highlights and praise cinematography the the camera work that they are doing in this movie is unbelievable paralleled in my opinion it is very experimental i guess i want to say uh there is rarely a slow spot in this movie and it it delivers consistently on some great action i i couldn't ask for anything more and then We've got, you know, the terrific leading cast, which, I mean, the four actors I named, they were the only ones that I recognized by name, you know, that I, when I saw them on screen, I immediately knew who they were, and I'm okay with that. Uh, Criticism is, you know, one of the criticisms is that, you know, that there aren't, there aren't more actors in this movie that I know, and then this may just be me being dumb, but I found it a little hard to keep up with. I didn't feel like, especially with the jumping around of the timeline, I found it harder to stay on track with what the plot was and and to keep up with it i've got an imdb nugget because oh wait no first chris evans was originally going to play the lead in this movie this is trivia obviously he was going to play the lead but he decided he wanted to play the villain which is interesting if it's true and then the imdb nugget that i found that i always try and find these shitty imdb trivia examples where they've you know they've taken a bit of information and represented it as trivia and it's just nothing of the sort so this one's a bit of a long one but when claire aka julia butters asks six ryan gosling what his tattoo means 
He answers, it's the Greek name of a man who pushes a rock up a mountain. He refers to Sisyphus, a figure in Greek mythology, who was punished by the gods. His punishment was rolling a boulder up the mountain for eternity, with the rock rolling down every time he was nearly at the top. This can be seen as a metaphor for Six's career, nameless hit after hit, without ever truly getting anywhere. That's not trivia, guys. That's not That's not a, an interesting tip. I mean, like, to, to leave it at, okay, that's Sisyphus, that's fine. I can accept that being a little shitty piece of trivia because you wanted to contribute. I get that. But to say that this can be seen as, you know, like, a metaphor for Ryan Gosling's character and blah, blah, blah. It's just, no, you're fucking, you... Is, is the word I want conjecture, you're conjecturing that, you know, you're, you're, you're drawing that conclusion yourself, but that's not fact, and trivia should at least, at the very basic level, be fact. Runtime of this movie, 129 minutes, budget, $200 million, worldwide gross was, I mean, 322000 but this is a brand new movie and it's being released on Netflix, so I don't know how you measure the amount of, you know, revenue or whatever that they supposedly think they're getting. It only has an IMDb rating of 6.5, which I was pretty disappointed by. Uh, the Rotten Tomato Critics score is 46%. The Rotten Tomato Audience score is 91%. And that doesn't shock me. I, I, it had a personal rating for me of 4.5 out of 5 stars. Just a little overloaded plot I think and just too much bouncing around with the timeline and and it just kind of made it a little difficult to keep up with but that's my burden you know that's just how I look at it so yeah I would definitely say it's worth checking out the next movie we've got is called hold your breath for this one I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but I mean, it's it's quite a few words long, and I I think they I, I think they could have just said I don't feel at home or I you know something like that. But anyway, it came out on February twenty fourth, two thousand seventeen. Directed by a man named Macon Blair, it was his directorial debut, and unfortunately, it does not look as though he's directed any other features since this movie came out. He also wrote the movie and producers and and the the score you know nobody that i had ever heard of or had wiki pages came up for me so i was just like all right screw it not talking about those features in the lead role melanie linsky okay she plays ruth and she was on she was on two and a half men as rose who is like i think like a crazy neighbor of charlie sheen's that like she had like a one night stand with him you know years ago and she's like obsessed with him and she comes over to visit and like climbs over the balcony railing to go home i don't know it's 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 kind of okay i guess if you like two and a half men she was in seeking a friend for the end of the world another too long titled movie which was okay i, I watched it and covered it on the blog brandon at random I, I liked it okay uh she was in the perks of being a wallflower this is a classic example of the book being better than the movie but the movie being pretty fucking close to as good as the book you know she was also in don't look up i mean who the fuck wasn't in that movie at this point second in line is 
the better known Elijah Wood, who plays the character Tony. And Elijah Wood has been in The Good Son. He was in a movie called North, which was a Rob Reiner movie that I saw in theater. And if I recall correctly, it was trash. He was in the movie Flipper in the 90s with Paul Hogan, who is Crocodile Dundee. He was in the Lord of the Rings movies. I loved Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that he was in. He was solid in that movie. He played a good part. He's great in Sin City, albeit very quiet and creepy. And then he was in that show Wilfred. And I don't know if he's, he's probably, it seems like he's been in other stuff, but those two, or, you know, those few things stick out to me as like ones that I remember him being in. The basic, I don't have any real casting notes because there wasn't really much for a background on this movie, but the plot synopsis I came up with is as follows. A woman fed up with the inconsiderate nature of people everywhere she goes has her home burglarized. That gives, like I say, you find that out pretty fucking early in this movie that she gets burglarized and that's it. You know what I mean? That's that's all you really have to get, you know, get into with it. It's like, I, I want it to be basic. So... <sighs> The only thing I know about her, I didn't remember her from a lot of other movies, you know, it's, just, it's, but it's centered around her. She's the lead character. She's this Ruth. And there's, so it kind of opens up with a, with a scene at a bar where she's sitting there and she's reading a book and the guy sitting next to her is Macon Blair, who is the director and writer of this movie. He, he asked her, oh, are you reading this, you know, that book series? And she's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm so, it's so good, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's talking about it. And the guy immediately, like, basically gives away like a huge fucking plot point to the movie or not to the movie to the book and it's like she's just like god fucking damn you know like because she's like talking about it with him casually and she she kind of gets this false sense of security that she's going to be able to talk about it and he's not gonna you know blow anything in the plot wide open and then out of nowhere he's just like well you know this is what's going on with that right and she's like no i didn't realize that you know like how the fuck would i have and I mean, I, I honestly, I don't care. Like I said earlier, I don't care how long a movie or book has been out. Don't fucking spoil it. I don't give a shit. I don't, my God, I, it's fucking terrible. I would say that I definitely, I don't, I didn't look up what kind of, uh, what kind of car she actually has, but, uh, it's a, it's a cool classic car, you know, it's a, it's some, it's like a, I think it's like a Chevy Camaro or something, but I really liked the look of it. I mean, it was a little rundown, but uh, it was, it was pretty sweet. Uh, she gets robbed at her house and, you know, while she's away and they take like medication from her, her laptop and her grandmother's silver. And she obviously has a very, you know, sentimental spot for her grandmother, which a lot of people do. And she calls the police and the police kind of take her information and understand what's been stolen. And they're like, basically not, it's pretty clear that they're not going to do fucking anything, you know? And it's like, what, you know, like, okay. So, so she's kind of like going around and she's talking to these different people in her neighborhood to explain to them what's happened. She's trying to figure out if they know of anybody or if they've seen anybody that could be up to something. And I mean, there's just a, 
throughout the beginning of this movie especially, there is like this continuing narrative of people being assholes and being inconsiderate and, you know, not giving a shit and all that stuff. And it's just, it is what it is, you know? It's like, it's tough not to look at people through that lens, you know, where you like think that they're pieces of shit, but it's, it is what it is. I don't know. I mean, and there's, there's a moment where I think it's her sister is like, she, she Ruth goes over to her sister's house and she's reading her niece a story or you know a, a book of some sort and she's talking to her sister and Ruth is talking about what what assholes ever, all these people are and uh, her sister says, you know you're doing a lot better than a lot of people, right? And I don't know if you know this, but there's something called the fallacy of relative privation that you don't necessarily feel better just because you know other people are worse off. You know what I mean? If I if I feel hungry and I say I want to eat something and I'm starving... If you turn to me and tell me that there are starving people in China, does that mean I'm going to be less hungry? Or does that just mean that I'm going to be still as hungry, but now feeling like shit about it? Don't do the fallacy of relative privation thing. It's it's not a good look. But everyone is an asshole is what Ruth says. And I'm like, yes, don't let her tell you that they aren't. So she gets fed up, you know, when this happens and somebody is walking their dog and they they let their dog poop on the front lawn and there's like a little sign that says no poop and she you know takes a you know piece of paper towel or plastic or something and she picks up the turd and throws it at the guy walking the dog and the guy walking the dog turns around and it's Elijah Wood and and I said she just threw a turd at hipster Frodo Baggins awesome she's conducting her own investigation she pours like uh liquid rubber into this shoe print in her backyard and all these neighbors that she asks about it are you know they're not helpful really and some of them are like trying to hit on her and stuff and so at some point her device finder on her phone kicks on and it shows that someone is using her laptop and she has like an exact address and all this stuff and she calls the police to tell them and they basically tell her that they can put it in the file but they can't actually go to that residence because they need a warrant to do that and it seems like that's probably accurate like I don't I don't doubt it for a minute and it's at this point she's she's interacted with Elijah Wood a couple of times and you know after she throws the shit at him uh she goes and she doesn't realize that where he lives and she just goes and happens upon him in the backyard and they're talking for a minute and Elijah Wood he, he the character he is playing he's playing this guy that's like into martial arts and shit like that and you know like all that mall ninja shit and it's just I, I think I think he's really fucking good in this movie honestly I would say my personal opinion was that this movie is a spiritual sequel to God Bless America which didn't really have anybody familiar name wise but it was just like this movie about this guy who gets fed up with people and their shit and him and this younger girl go on like a fucking rampage it reminded me a lot of that movie but they the director said that he considered it a bit of a you know like a similar thing but with falling down with Michael Douglas which is a fucking solid movie I really like like I honestly probably later 
on, we'll cover that in this podcast. Falling Down, it's a Joel Joel Schumacher movie, and I just, I fucking love it. I mean, but I I didn't even think about it when, when the movie was going on. And so the, you know, she's figured out, you know, what this guy's shoe print looks like. And we end up seeing what this guy looks like. And he's a real fucking scumbag. You know, he breaks into this party. He takes a dump in the, uh, like he does an upper decker in the toilet at this house and he's like stealing jewelry and he comes outside and this guy is asking him who, you know, how he knows, you know, so-and-so from, you know, who's at the party and like, he's like, oh yeah, I know her from work. He's like, yeah, okay, I'm calling the police. And so like, good on the guy for fucking pointing out, but I mean, like, like the guy's just gonna stand there while you're calling the police, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, and, and, you know, he walks out into the woods after this all, the bad guy walks out into the woods after this all happens, and they are, uh, they're, you know, his two accomplices are there, a, like, a younger girl, like, a I should say a girl that's, like, in her 20s, and a guy that's probably in his late 40s, early 50s or something, and Ruth is going around with Tony, and they're investigating it they go to this consignment shop where you know because they figured out that the laptop was had been sold at a consignment shop and that was why the person at the address for the device finder had it so they go and try and figure out if there's any more of her shit at that uh consignment shop and like they figure out that the bad you know the the guy that robbed her house is there and they figure out what his tags are and they look him up and they figure out where he lives and then it's like they go to this house and this woman answers the door and you don't really know who she is you assume like she's the mother or something and it's like they go in and talk to her and try and figure out what's going on and it's like they are fucking the lady is a fucking trip like she is just ridiculous and she's just you know it basically is revealed that the only reason she let them in was because she was bored out of her fucking mind and she just wanted something to do you know which is funny and so they they're trying to find this kid and it turns out that the kid hasn't really been around much lately they and like the dad comes home he's not really giving them any uh information and like and Ruth and Tony basically get forced by the dad's bodyguard to leave because they're you know not really police officers like they said they were and all this shit I mean it's just all this shit's rolling up and like Ruth and Tony go to leave you know they're they're getting yelled at by the people in this house and then Ruth decides she is gonna fucking have a mental breakdown and destroy some lawn ornaments here and she's going to steal this lawn ornament tiger thing and she's just she's clearly not in a good place and Tony is like really pissed at her for stealing this tiger because it's not hers you know she's she's doing what she said she was trying to stop having happened you know it's like yeah okay I get that and Tony's kind of like pissed at her and she's like yeah you know I get it you know whatever and it's it doesn't seem like she's very apologetic about the whole thing but it's like she goes, you know, she, he, she goes home after she drops him off. And when she goes in her house, the, uh, Chris is the bad guy's name that robbed her house. And he is literally in her house. And she's like standing at this, you know, this counter by her, 
front door and Chris thought it would be a good idea to like startle her to like intimidate her and he he basically is like he asks her a question and she like freaks out and she's like <gasps> and like fucking turns and hits him in the neck and like crushes his windpipe and he goes out running down the street and like, like kind of I guess sauntering a little more than running but he goes down the street and he is just covering his neck and he can't figure out what to do and next thing you know he fucking runs into this intersection and gets hit by a fucking bus and dies and it's like wow and so the two accomplices he had kidnap Ruth and they take her back to the house where she stole the tiger from that that Chris's parents live and it's actually Chris's dad and stepmom and they they're basically they had this plan that they're going to rob the dad because they think he has this big cache of uh of money you know and he's he's holding on to it and he's got it in a safe or something and it's like they force ruth to get them in the door and then you know they make her carry an unloaded gun and she's all tied up and shit and i just but they go i mean it gets fucking gruesome it gets really over the top but i fucking loved every minute of it i, I really enjoyed it and i mean she's trying to trying to like de-escalate the situation i guess you would say and so she's trying to get people to realize that she's not a bad person she's not doing this and that they forced her to do this and all this stuff and it's it's pretty nifty from that standpoint i mean i really like what they they do with that i mean there's a lot of a lot of gore in this sequence and i gotta say like the overall theme of this movie is very important like it's a very good theme it's it's like basically the message is that you know like you might the way you perceive everybody is it might be that they're assholes and they very might well be assholes but at the same time there are people out there that they just do stuff without thinking about it and although it's they shouldn't do it it's not like they're doing it with the intent of hurting anybody and they're you know they really don't mean anything bad by it and and you really gotta kind of like give people a chance you can't just assume everybody is a fucking asshole but you know it's it's also easier to assume everybody's an asshole so do what you gotta do so you know some of the praise points for this movie are uh you know all the acting especially that of the two leads is very superb the story makes me not only want to be a better person but also it makes me want to reconsider the way i think about other people the plot was pretty fucking great i did not realize i never knew at any point in the movie where the plot was going you know i mean obviously she figures out that something happened you know where they the people bought the laptop from the consignment shop so you know that they're going to the consignment shop you know but i i would say you don't know very far ahead of time what's coming in the plot i'm really hoping to see more from this director soon like that was the only thing i was disappointed by is it's like he made this movie five years ago and it just he hasn't had a follow-up at all so i i honestly don't really have a lot of criticism for this movie it's it's one of if not the best movie that i've watched this year i really fucking loved it so a little bit of, there's a little bit of trivia like macon blair you know like i mentioned he considers this a companion piece to the movie uh, falling Down from 1993, starring Michael Douglas. And I got a couple of IMDb nuggets, okay? This movie features two actors who also are in classic horror film remakes. Jane Levy 
from 2013's Evil Dead and Derek Mears from 2009's Friday the 13th. That is like the bottom of the barrel trivia. That's not particularly special or interesting. It's just like, oh, they were in horror movie remakes. Okay, like, I need a little more than that. I need something to pique my interest. Of all of the things stolen from Ruth, the only thing she never recovered was her medications, which, yes, that's kind of how medication works. If you take medication, it goes away and you can't get it back. So there's that. Uh, The runtime of this film was 96 minutes, unknown budget, unknown worldwide gross, IMDb rating of 6.9, Rotten Tomato Critics score 89%, Rotten Tomato Audience score 77%, my own personal rating 5 out of 5 stars. Both of these movies are on Netflix. Please check them out. Obviously, if you think of... I'm, I'm trying to vary, you know, like how I'm doing the format of these episodes. I, I'm thinking I might throw... You know, I was just going to do the three ones. The, the bad, the new to me, and the favorites. And then I think I might throw in like classics. And I know in like October, I'm going to throw in Halloween type movies, you know, horror movies and, and just more, more in that genre. So I'm, I'm excited to see where I can go with this. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to roll, but yeah. So that's that. Thank you all for listening. I do appreciate it. I, uh, I can't wait to, uh, record my next episode. That's just how, how much fun it is. All right. Thank you all very much. Have a good rest of your day. Brandon at Random Reviews is performed, written, directed, produced, and edited by Brandon Griffiths. Theme music is performed by Augusto Diniz from Fiverr. 